it can be hard to figure out how to, how to lower that anxiety. But like you mentioned yourself, like you used to do interviews where you were just sort of held up by that anxiety and, and not sure what to say and not sure how to answer things. And now with practice, you've gotten to a point where, you know, you're interviewing on a podcast and I'm interviewing on live streams and it becomes easier for us because we've been practicing this stuff for years. And it can be the same thing with job interviews too, but maybe you were in sales and marketing for a long time and now you're trying to break into a tech career and you've never done a tech interview before. It's almost like you're resetting, getting back into that mindset again of starting over. Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we explore the hidden side of modern work, help you turn procrastination into job search motivation, and teach you how to stress less, earn more, and change careers with confidence. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach at Career Therapy, and I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Please welcome Ian Douglas to the podcast. Ian is a tech educator at Stream, a career coach, an interview consultant, a Gen X dork, a 3D printing enthusiast, and an all-around nerd. Today, we talk about where common interview advice goes wrong, what you can do to build confidence in a professional context, and the role of trust in landing a job that you love. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Your support is what enables us to keep helping seekers all around the world in their career pursuits. That's all for the intro today. So without further ado, here is our combo with Ian Douglas. But I'm really excited to chat with you because you have so much experience in, you know, the tech world. And we've both been coaches at, at similar places and at the same companies even. And, uh, and there's just something that happens, I think, when people get into the mode of interviewing that, that, that throws people through a loop. It just like, it almost like upends our entire world. And so, um, as we dig into the conversation today, what I'd love to sort of kick us off with is the idea of like, what are you trying to convey in an interview, whether it's trust or building rapport or showing your intelligence or coming off as like knowledgeable, like what are the things that people think they're supposed to be uh, displaying in the interview and what, and what do companies actually care about? In your mind? That's a great question. As, as an interviewer, my job is to figure out what you know and what you don't know and how well is that going to fit in with what I need on the team. And a lot of people come into the interview thinking they've got to know everything and, and they have to study all the things and they've got to be really well-versed and very well-spoken and they've got to have like all the experience. And it's like, you really don't, you just need to be you. You need to be yourself because that's what they're interviewing. They want to know, do I want to bring Martin on my team? Like, does Martin have the skill or, or what background does Martin have? Is there something that Martin can tell me verbally in this interview that I can't see on the resume or I didn't read in that cover letter? Like, what can you convey to me there? So when it comes to the interview, um, you know, that's, that's what I think from an interviewer's perspective is just... I, I need to do that, that kind of assessment from an interviewee point of view. Um, you know, you certainly need to be prepared. Like you need to be prepared to answer questions. You need to be practiced on those things, but you know, you need to, you need to research the company. You need to be able to ask them questions and kind of the theme that you've heard me talk about uh, on the side is, you know, an interview needs to be conversation, not interrogation. Like it can't just be me asking you a question, you give me an answer. And then I ask you another question, you give me another answer. It needs to be more of that flowing kind of conversation where, you know, I ask you a question, you answer it. Maybe that raises a question in your mind and that you can ask me that back. And, and you know, now it's, now it's more collaborative communication as opposed to just like a one way, you know, tell me the answer to this or that. Um, I feel like I'm missing like part of the answer to. to no, but I think there. you're hitting on some really good points here, right? Because this is, there, there's so much in the internet ether about interviewing. And I think people get lost because there's scripts yeah. that you can study. There's um, question, like lists of questions you can ask. There's, here's the questions you're going to be asked and here's how you should answer them blogs. And, you know, there's this sort of push and pull in what you're saying of like, be yourself, because on the one hand, 
if I'm just being myself, why do I need all these resources? Why do I need all this training? Why do I need to practice? Why do I need to do all these things? If all I need to do is be myself and be genuine, um, well, I'm genuinely insecure about my ability to do this job. So if I show up and say that, I'm going to get docked points. And I think, you know, if I think back to some of the conversations I've had with, you know, very frustrated job seekers, they say things like, the interviewer is just looking for that one thing that I screw up or say wrong or don't describe perfectly to cross me off the list. They're just trying to find that one mess up. And, you know, maybe it was, I didn't answer the algorithm question exactly in the way that they were thinking, or, or maybe I rambled too much, or maybe I didn't ask the right questions. And, um, and I think that there's that, that tension that builds between the interviewee and the interview process, maybe not even the specific interviewer, but like, I'm being told to be myself, but I'm getting rejected. So as myself, not good enough, like, it, it why, like yeah. that advice only works if if the if the person's like natural self is charismatic and asks great questions and is super curious and things like that but what are your thoughts on that sort of tension that builds between the interviewer and the uh the process i think that's fair i think as as much as we can sometimes coach people to say like hey go read these lists of questions because these are the kinds of things you're going to get asked Sometimes companies don't do a good job training their interviewers. And so they're like, hey, Martin, I need you to go interview this person coming in. You're like, uh, let me go look up a list of questions to ask. And it's the same list of questions that they've studied, you know, and so now it's like the internet asking the internet, <laughs> yeah. you know, questions like what question do I ask and how do I answer that kind of question? You know, it's like we could just, you know, program a couple of bots to just chat with each <laughs> other. But um, I think... So I, I think part of that comes down to how do you train your interviewers to be a little more flexible? Now, there, there are some companies and agencies like a, like a lot of uh, sort of public sector types of jobs where they have to be very rigid about the questions that they ask and they have to ask everybody the exact same question. They have to score everybody on the exact same rubric. And it comes down to like, well, Martin got 78.3% and Ian got 76.2%. So we have to hire Martin because he got a higher score. Uh, like there, there are businesses out there that are super rigid like that. And other companies are like, well, I'm just going to ask this question and, oh, that's a really interesting answer. I'm going to go off script and I'm going to like start asking these other kinds of questions because that brings up a whole new topic of conversation. Um, and so I think, yeah, there is some element of you need to be yourself. I think you still need to be a little bit careful about like how much you share. Like you don't want to overshare things. You don't want to get into the uh, like the TMI, you know, too much information kind of kind of thing. Like you wouldn't want to talk about, oh, I've got anxiety or I've got, you know, uh, a lot of insecurities and, and things like that. Like you typically don't want to bring that up in the interview itself. But I think you do need to genuinely be who you are, like bring your sense of humor, bring your personality, show them that you're human. Like you've got to bring, you've got to bring your humanity into it. Uh, you know, no matter what kind of role it is. I mean, I primarily do interviewing in like the tech sector and the tech industry. And, you know, there's, there's kind of this uh, uh, myth of like, well, developers are all, they're super introverted and they don't like working with other people. And that's not true. I mean, I love working with people. Uh, I'm, I'm what you call an ambivert. I, I kind of border between extrovert and introvert. And really that's, it's, it's like a, its own spectrum. It's its own scale of, do you get your energy from being around people or not being around people? But that's how you recharge that energy. It doesn't mean you don't like being around people or you can't be around other people. It's just, where do you get that energy back? And, and I think that you can bring out enough of yourself in that interview that if I'm a good interviewer, I'm going to try and draw that out of you. That's my job as the interviewer is to find out who you really are, what you know, who, like, who is Martin, you know, and hopefully I've got enough questions that I can like, you know, kind of draw from to really pull that into the interview to make it more conversational. Unfortunately, though, I've been at a lot of companies where, you know, there's just been zero training. It's like, oh, shoot, you know, so-and-so couldn't make the interview quick, go grab somebody off your team to come interview them. And that person has never interviewed somebody ever before. 
and now their anxiety is high, they also go through their own sense of imposter syndrome of like, I've never done this. I don't belong here, like on this side of the desk, asking these questions, like, who am I to be doing this? Um, so, you know, it can be, there, there can be a lot of anxiety on both sides of the desk. Um, and, and I think that that's something else that we don't really talk about uh, too much in the industry either. I love how you put that anxiety on both sides of the desk. And I think that it's such an interesting thing because if we really zoom out from this whole interview experience, it becomes kind of comical. Like one of the things that I've talked about with students before is like, this is a complete construct of a conversation, right? Like it is, you know, to, to go way back, like it's like the Shakespeare, everyone is a player on the stage, right? Like, you literally back in the day, now it's all Zoom, but back in the day, you would literally put on clothes that you would never normally wear, go to an office with a bunch of strangers, with a piece of paper that describes you, enter into a room with a person who has not done their research on you and probably has no context of who you are, but is in a position of power over you, sit yeah. in a chair that is slightly lower than that person <laughs> for some strange yeah. reason on the other side True. of the desk and yeah. then launch into sort of like a half dating half selling half like Q, like q a like it's just like it's such an odd thing when you really break it down to the elements um True. and like that's where i start to be like we can start having fun with this and I think that's one of the issues with this whole process is that the job search process is so stressful and so personal and so full of rejection that we lose the ability to have any sort of fun with it. When in reality, like you said, it should be a conversation. It should be enjoyable. Conversations can be enjoyable, right? And like, yeah. when we look at it from this like absurdist perspective, um, I always like to just, you know, mess with that like literally sit there and look at the whole thing and just laugh about it in your head like this is kind of absurd uh what are your yeah. thoughts on like the absurdity of interviewing and like how how it's like kind of contrived and formulated in that way I think there is a, a bit of a paradox to to be aware of there though because we tell people be yourself but then when they get rejected we say well don't take it personally it's a business yeah. decision well it's like well if I bring myself and I get rejected then it's a rejection on me as a person where from a business perspective, we're, we're trying very objectively, we're trying very hard to treat everybody objectively, treat everybody the same, and, and make a business decision over who are we going to bring on the team. And, it, and it's not meant to be a personal like, oh, you know, I didn't like Martin's haircut, so I don't want to hire Martin. You know, it, it should be, well, you know, we need this mix of skills, or we need a, a certain uh, amount of problem solving um, and, and this candidate just didn't have that, you know, or didn't have, or didn't demonstrate it well enough that, you know, we're not confident that they're going to be able to do the job. And so we, we pass on them, but yet we tell people, be yourself, you know, have this conversation, bring your sense of humor. Like, you know, um, you know, we talk a little bit about like trust in the interview, like you got to build up trust on both sides and, and how do you have these good conversations? But then when they get rejected, it becomes even more crushing than because you're, you're telling them, well, it's not personal, but it was personal to them. Like it's mm -hmm. a, it's a rejection to them. And unfortunately in the tech industry, a lot of people don't even get calls back. Like they don't even get the feedback or they don't like they do the interview and then they never hear back from the company. And that's unfortunate. I think that that's a, a big thing that needs to change in the industry around like we have to be able to give people feedback and we have to be able to, to really share like where are you in the process and why didn't you move forward in that process? And, and I think that um, when companies don't do that, it can erode kind of that public trust of, oh, don't go interview over there because they're just going to like ghost you as we call it. And you're not ever going to find out why they're just going to interview you and, and then never call you back. Yeah. Um, go, kind of revisiting something that, that you mentioned earlier too, like, you know, if I, if I slip up on one thing, I'm going to automatically get rejected. I tell people a lot of times when I'm looking at your resume, like, like in the screening process, before you ever get to an interview, when I'm looking at your resume, when I'm looking at your cover letter, I'm looking for a reason to say no, because I got hundreds or thousands of these things to go through. Once I make those choices and say, this is my like 
list of 20 people that I'm going to call. Now I'm switching my mindset into reasons to say yes, because hiring sucks. <laughs> like, honestly, it's, 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 it's a horrible process. It's expensive. It's long drawn out. It's, it takes up a lot of our time from a business perspective. You know, we've got to like pull engineers off the work that they're doing to actually be part of that interview process, or we've got to pull a manager out of something to be able to, you know, manage part of this process or multiple stages of this process, multiple phone calls. We've got to get HR people involved. It's expensive. It costs, uh, you know, probably 10 to $20,000 to hire somebody. We just want it done. We want it over. And I think that's why networking can play such a big part in getting a job because it's like, if we don't have to go through all that time and all that expense, and it's like, hey, you know what? I've got someone on my team that knows somebody that might fill this job. Let's just fast track them and see if that's going to be a good fit. And then we don't even have to post the job and wade through hundreds of these things. But once we get to that interview, we're looking for a reason to say yes. And so tripping up on one thing or not getting that algorithm right, it's not an immediate disqualifier. We're looking for a reason to say, yes, you're the person that we want good. We're done. <laughs> we're done with this. Let's just make an offer to this person. Hopefully they say yes. And then like, we're, we're finished with this. And that is, I think where people get so worked up too, because they hear that and they go, okay, but then why do I keep getting rejected over these like seemingly little things? Cause you know, my nervousness in the interview or my inability to explain something well is what kind of lost me the opportunity. Right. And, you know, I'll, I'll talk with folks and it's sort of, it gets really bad sometimes because people will start to view all interviewers as the same rather than individual people that they have to connect with. And they'll bring in baggage from past interviews into future interviews. And it starts to sort of like over time, if you've been job searching six months to a year or more, you start to carry a big bag of baggage, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I start to see um, the mindset of just like, you know, trying to prepare yourself for trying to prevent anything from going wrong. So mm -hmm. I need to tell these stories in this way. And I need to ask these questions and I need to be ready for these things. And like, there is, um, there's an art in all of this. And I think that that's maybe what's missing in some of these simplistic, um, phrases like be yourself in the interview, like be yourself mm -hmm. in the interview is missing that you have to be the best version of yourself, right? And so it's not just be your true authentic through and through self. It's be your professional, helpful, curious, well-communicated self. And those like additional nuances, I think, are what goes into making this kind of uh, the art of conversation in a way, right? Um, if I think back to my earliest interviews, being myself meant having a panic attack and not being able to say words. But now mm. that I've been practicing how to have conversations for a decade, I can do podcasts like off the top of my head, right? right? And so like, there's this sort of ongoing development that we, we sort of understand it in a technical sense. And I do want to dig into the technical stuff with you. Mm. Like we understand that if you're going to learn software, you're going to learn how to 3D print, or you're going to learn how to you know, set up a, an audio studio and, and record things, there's going to be a learning curve where you are terrible at it for a while. And you're going to probably break some filaments yep. and you're going to probably sure. record some bad audio, right? But you give yourself, hopefully, you give yourself a grace period to get good at the thing, right? Whereas people think I'm either good at interviewing or I suck. It's very binary. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Like, the art of interviewing, the art of conversation, the art of building that skill and how we can bring maybe some of our learnings from the technical world into how to develop that skill. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it, it's definitely an iterative process. And, and I think you, you mentioned uh, in what you said, like you got to practice this stuff. And sometimes we'll tell people like, you know, when you're practicing behavioral questions, like, you know, tell me about a time when, uh, you know, you'll see guys like, oh, practice it with a friend or a family member. It's like, yeah, but unless they're an interviewer, they're not going to give you good feedback. Mm -hmm. It would be like, if I don't know how to work out at a gym and you don't know how to work out at a gym and I take you to the gym and say, how do I build muscle? Right. You're like, I don't know, like lift 
this heavy thing and maybe that'll build some muscle. It's like, you know, we can kind of go back and forth. Does, you know, would we gain muscle? Maybe. Are we going to gain the right kind of muscle? Maybe. Are we going to hurt ourselves in the process? Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have a coach there saying, no, this is the movement and this is why when you move this muscle in this way, this muscle gets sore. Or, you know, if you want to like stretch out this part of your body, you actually need to stretch out this part of your body um, or work on these muscle groups and, and things like that. Like having, having somebody who knows how to interview do a practice interview with you is far more effective than practicing by yourself. I've, I mean, I've certainly told people like, you know, if you're uh, like in, in the tech industry, for example, there's a lot of interview styles where you've got to do some kind of technical code challenge. And there's lots of websites out there to do these technical challenges. And sometimes you'll read guides or, and I've told people in the past, like, while you're working on that, just grab your phone and start recording your voice about how you're explaining your process and then go back and listen to how you explain that. But that's like me working out at the gym by myself. It's like, I, I don't necessarily know how I'm going to get better. Practice is important, but I think it's important to get the right kind of practice because, you know, I've, I've heard of people like, oh, I've done like 500 leak code problems or I've done 700, 900 leak code problems. I think I'm ready to go interview. It's like, yeah, but what did you learn from those? Like, did you just learn? I'm just going to sit down and do like two or three challenges a day for a year. And now I think I'm ready for a job interview or are you actually getting good feedback from somebody around okay well this part of the process that you're following was really good this part you're kind of taking a long time you need to shorten that amount of time so practice this part of that tech challenge so that you can reduce that time that's where that practice becomes more effective like far more effective we know as interviewers that you're going to be nervous we're often nervous too I've interviewed people with more technical experience than me or a higher level of experience in some, you know, bit of tech skill that I'm trying to interview for. And we get nervous too. It's like, well, what if they realize I don't know as much as they do? Like we're representing the business. We should know all the things we should be able to add and answer any of these questions ourselves um, when it comes to like these technical aspects of things. And I've been nervous interviewing people you know, who, who are genuinely smarter than me. And sometimes that's a good thing. I mean, as a manager, we want to hire people who are smarter than us that know things that we don't, otherwise we'd be doing it ourselves. And, you know, but we know that you're nervous coming in. And so it's, again, it's our job to like tamper that down a little bit. In the past, it used to be come on site. We're going to have you like write software code on a whiteboard and you know or we're going to give you a laptop where you're going to like type in some code but it's a laptop you've never seen it's an environment you've never seen maybe an editor you've never used or that you're not comfortable with you don't know the tools and so now your anxiety level is going up 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 because it's all this unfamiliarity and i got to a point in my interviewing where i would ask a candidate like hey if you have a laptop bring it with you so it's an environment you're familiar with we're going to work on code that you're familiar with um and and it was always interesting to see that anxiety level drop when they came in and say, Hey, cool, grab your laptop. I want to pull up that bit of code that I gave you as a take-home challenge. We're going to continue to work on that. I found a bug in, in the code that you sent to me. I want to have you fix that bug, or I want you to add a feature of, you know, this or that. And that's what we're going to spend our time doing during the interview. And you just see that level of anxiety come down because it's familiar. And, and I think that that's another sort of big hurdle in these tech interviews. Well, most interviews, of you don't know what you're in, in store for. Like you don't know what you're walking into. You don't know what the interview style is going to be. You don't know what kinds of questions you're going to be asked. Or, you know, you read these, these giant thick books on how to prepare for interviews. And it's like, you need to prepare for like these thousand scenarios. It's like, how can you possibly prepare for that many things and understand all of these questions? It's like, that's where the anxiety is coming from is because you don't know what you're walking into. And so I have a lot of respect for companies where when when they're setting up that interview, they actually tell the candidate, hey, these are the things we want you to study. These are the things we want you to have prepared and be ready for, because when we bring you in, we're going to ask you questions about these topics. And that's it. So now as a candidate, you know exactly what to go study. You know exactly what to have ready. You know how to be the best prepared for that specific interview. And that's something that a lot of companies don't do because they're all following kind of that same script or they don't know how to prepare those kinds of things. Um, and, and, uh, you know, again, I think 
I think that there's a lot of room for improvement, especially in the tech industry, where we can look at those kinds of things and find ways to sort of normalize on the structure of what an interview should be. But I mean, no matter how much you try to normalize, there's always going to be a company that says, yeah, but we need this as well. It's like, okay, fine. Add that on as well. But like, we need to do better as an industry around like how we do interviewing because it is such a nerve wracking kind of thing and people don't know how to practice and, and so on. And so I think that there, there are just a lot of ways that, you know, we as businesses could make those interviews better. And I think that that's where job seekers get a little bit, get a little bit of a chip on their shoulder sometimes, right? Because they feel like it's a double standard. Like they have to be perfect at every step along the interview, responsive within, you know, X number of hours of receiving every email, following up on a regular basis, answering every question perfectly, preparing for everything right, you know, going through nine interviews and three take-home tests and all this other junk. And then the company is like not getting back to them, taking a month between things, not even sending them an actual rejection. And, and it, it is kind of this unfortunate power imbalance that exists where you're sort of like, I guess I just have to put up with this. You know, I guess I just have to deal with this. Um, and it can really start to wear people down. And I do, I do agree. I think both the company needs to get better at like managing this process because it is very inefficient. And we all know HR is stressed out and all that different stuff. But at the same time, there is also a personal responsibility of being able to control your mindset through this process, right? Like a salesperson who expects everyone to pick up the phone is going to get very frustrated very quickly. And a job seeker who expects every interview to go flawlessly or expects, people, expects the interviewer to have done their research is going to get burnt out quicker. And I think that sure. there's just so much in that of like expectation setting, both for yourself for the company, for the company, for you and, and, and every way back and forth. And I'm just like, as I think through all this stuff, it gets me thinking about, you know, putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Um, when we're the interviewee, when we're going into the interview, there's this big spotlight put on us and it raises that anxiety level to the nth degree. There's also a ton of stuff on the internet that's all about knowing yourself and and being able to pitch yourself and sell yourself and know what your values are and know what your passion is and know where you'll be in five years. Like the, where are you going to be in five years question is the classic cliche, right? It's like, well, right. I don't know. We had a pandemic and like that kind of threw everything off, right? Or being able right. to explain gaps in your resume or like, there's just so many things that we have to contend with. Um, when, the, when the anxiety levels increase, what do you think tends to help people calm down? That's a tough one to answer because I think when, when you see a lot of those guides where it's like, here's how to calm yourself and here's, here's what to do. I think that there's, uh, there can be an amount of privilege in that, that not everybody has access to, you know, um, not everyone's going to have access to go see a doctor or see a therapist to like get the medication they need to calm themselves down because it's like a chemical imbalance in their body or, you know, is it, is it just heightened anxiety because they're reading too much into a situation and just maybe some time talking to a therapist would help that, uh, not everyone has access to that. So, you know, I think, I think as well-meaning as some of those articles are, I think they're, they're sometimes a little tone deaf to the reality of what people actually go through. Um, and, um, so I, I do want to kind of preface my answer with that, that, um, that I think that it's, it's important to kind of recognize certain things about that. Um, with, with how to kind of calm yourself, I mean, it, I mean, I can't tell you how to calm yourself because you know yourself and I don't necessarily. Um, I think, you know, the, the typical kinds of things of just take a deep breath think about their question before you come up with an answer, like, you know, have a little notebook and like write down, you know, notes about what that question is and like, give it some thought. It's okay to say in an interview, like, that was a really thoughtful question. I want to take just a moment 
I'm just jotting down like some parts of that question because I want to give a good answer. Like I want to, I want to be thorough in how I give my answer. So I just want to think about it for a moment. Most interviewers are fine with that. Um, I think being able to reflect and introspect on yourself is important. I think um, sometimes with, with interviews, it can be hard to um, figure out how to, how to lower that anxiety. But like you mentioned yourself, like you used to do interviews where you were just really uh, sort of held up by that anxiety and, and not sure what to say and not sure how to answer things. And now with practice, you've gotten to a point where, you know, you're interviewing on a podcast and I'm interviewing on live streams and it becomes easier for us because we've been practicing this stuff for years. And it can be the same thing with job interviews too. But when it's that first job interview or you're doing a career switch, you know, it's, it's bringing all that stuff back again. It's like, well, you know, maybe you were in sales and marketing for a long time and now you're trying to break into a tech career and you've never done a tech interview before. So now it's almost like you're resetting maybe not all the way back to square one, but like pretty close. And like, how do you, how do you learn how to say the things correctly? And, and, and so on, you're, you're kind of getting back into that mindset again of starting over. Um, but really like, you know, yourself, you know, what's going to work for you and not work for you. Uh, it's, it's kind of like the, the saying, like, you know, you can't just tell somebody to calm down because that's never going to work. Like calm down, just relax. Yeah. It's like, no one has ever been like, oh, okay, that yeah, worked. cool. I'm, I'm calm now. I'm relaxed now. Like that, that never happens. You know, if anything, you're going to wind them up a little bit more. It's like, mm -hmm. don't tell me to calm down. Um, so when, when it comes to an interview, it really does come down to practice. Like we talked about, uh, you know, previously, like it really does come down to practice and, and finding ways of doing mock interview scenarios with someone that you can trust to give you good feedback and give you pointers on, you know, this part of your answer was really good. Like how you explained this was, you did a great job on that. This part of your answer, you know, you kind of rambled on a little while, or this part of your answer was too short. Like you need to expand that because you're, you're kind of touching on something that's really good. You need to dive into that a little bit more without having somebody that can give you that kind of feedback. It becomes much harder to improve, but that is probably for me, the number one way that I can reduce my anxiety when I interview is to practice interviewing like actually have practice interviews. Um, there were times when I was like gainfully employed, loved my job, wasn't thinking about leaving. I would just go out for interviews. I would just like contact companies and say like, hey, I'm kind of interested in what you do. Like, could I interview for this position? Um, and, and there were times where I would get all the way through the interview stage and I would actually get a job offer. It's like, no, I decided to stay where I'm at. And it's always disappointing for the company when you do that. For me, going through that process was a way to kind of keep my skills sharp. It was also a way for me having been an interviewer, see how other companies conduct their interviews and how they manage communication and things like that. So that I can kind of take a step back and go, Oh, I like the way they did that. Or like, Oh, I wish that they did a better job about that. Do I do that? Like, I need to make sure I don't do that to people. Um, and just, it, it brings more awareness all around of, how interviews are conducted and how to kind of improve, uh, you know, the, the interview process overall. And I think any company who, especially over like the pandemic with 2020, who kind of put the brakes on things and said, you know what, we're going to pause on hiring because we don't know what this remote thing is going to be, or we don't know if, or when we're coming back to the office, so we're just going to put a, a freeze on hiring. And some companies, while they did that, they're like, well, Hey, since we're not like actively interviewing a ton of people, let's go revisit that whole interview process again. And let's find out like, is there like, are we getting good signals? Is there something better that we could do is that, you know, what if we change this or that let's interview like one or two people and put them through that and get their feedback on what that interview process was and, and kind of see like, you know, uh, take a bit of an iterative approach on how to change that interview process. Once companies started kind of spinning the hiring back up, it becomes much harder to say, okay, well, we want these candidates to go through this process and these candidates to go through that process as much as you might want to try like a B testing for that kind of thing. It becomes much more difficult to kind of compare apples to apples when you've got people going through a different kind of process. Um, but I know a lot of companies like uh, there's one here in Denver who completely put the brakes on everything and they completely reinvented 
their interview process. And it's amazing now, like they get really good signals from the interview candidate. They get good feedback from the candidates as far as like what worked well um, and, and how they enjoyed and appreciated the, the interview experience, whether or not they get the job. I mean, as a company, that's kind of my goal too. If I have to say, no, we're not going to hire you, that you're, you know, you're going to walk away and go, that was a cool experience. Like, that was great. Like, I want to tell other people to, to interview there because it was such a good experience. Um, and, and so I think that there's a lot of room for companies to kind of take that step back and examine what's going on. Although now that we're kind of at that pace again, where it's like we're starting to hire or a lot more companies are realizing that remote opportunities are actually working out okay. And in the tech industry, like you can work wherever you have an internet connection. Like it really doesn't matter anymore. Like you don't have to geographically be where we are uh, as far as like a headquarters office kind of thing. Um, I think that now that that's spinning back up, there's, there's less opportunity now to kind of reinvent that process. So it's never too late to start though, but it is, it is a time consuming process of like, you know, how do we, how do we sort of switch gears and, and take a, a different approach on that? But when it comes to the, uh, the candidate anxiety, I mean, unless you as a company are telling them like, go study these things, this is what our process is going to be. These are what the different kinds of interviews are going to be and the kinds of questions that we're going to ask. Walking into that unknown is what's raising that anxiety. And so I would say the number one thing for, for lowering your own sort of uh, anxiety about it is knowing yourself and knowing how to calm yourself. But a close second would be if the company would just tell you what that process is so that you can be as best prepared as you can be and just say like, hey, we don't need you to know all the things, but we're going to quiz you about the following topics. And we want to dive in on this piece of code that you've submitted, or we want to, we want you to come in and talk about a project that you've built. Now I can be way better prepared to walk into that interview and, and feel like I'm succeeding and, and sending better signals to them. Um, and so I, th I think that there's, there are things on both sides, both you as a candidate, as well as the company uh, that can help lower that anxiety. We interrupt today's episode to let you know about Career Therapy's Unstuck Coaching Program. If you're feeling paralyzed by job search procrastination and unsure of what to do next in your career, we're here to help. Each month as a member, you will get access to two one-on-one -on -one coaching calls, unlimited virtual chat with your coach via Slack, invitations to bi-weekly group coaching sessions, and lifetime access to our eight-part job search curriculum. Want to take your search to the next level? Head over to careertherapy.com and schedule a free 15-minute consultation to chat with me today and see if coaching is right for you. Now back to our show. It really does bring in like the signals. I like that you said the signals because that's really what we're talking about here. The tone, the signals, the values, the connections. Like I think what you're talking about with this ambiguity and that's what creates a lot of issues it's like all right so we want those answers well there's good ways to ask those questions and there's bad ways to ask those questions and i think a lot of what we deal with in the interview is like we're almost doing it right we're like so close to doing it right but we have the tone wrong right you can ask the same question with a different tone and get a completely different answer one like at the end of an interview you could say um, is there anything that we didn't get to during this interview that you wanted to get to, um, that I could quickly maybe, you know, give you a little bit more context on, yeah. or you could say, is there anything that I, that I could do better next time? And like that, it's like getting to the same information in two very different tones. And right. one is negative. The second one is bad. And the first one is good because it's more positive and engaging. And I think a lot of what we're trying to do here when we're helping people sort of recontextualize the interview from this interrogation into a conversation is to look at it a little bit differently than, than what the traditional look of an interview is. The traditional look mm -hmm. of an interview is I need to go in and impress these people. That's what all the movies, you know, display it as and everything like that sure. versus I need to go in and help these people. A company is only hiring because they're in pain. They're stressed out. They're over, they have too much work and not enough people. That's why they're hiring. They're not sitting there on a mountain saying, we have so much money. Let's give someone a chance, right? 
So when we go in with this idea of I need to impress them and I need to get them to give me a shot, this whole like Hamilton, not going to miss my shot thing. Like that's not the right approach to it. The right approach is a more consultative, helpful approach, which applies to the tech interview too, because if you just go in and do the tech interview and give them the answer, that's not a good tech interview because you haven't done the actual important thing of the interview, which is explain to them what you did, why you did it, how you got to this conclusion and what you can do in the future. And the same with like the difference between being impressive and being helpful. If I'm trying to be impressive, I'm trying to use a lot of jargon. I'm trying to sound the part. I'm trying to like look the part. I'm trying to fake it till I make it versus going in and being helpful. What you're doing is saying, I don't know everything, but I have enough skills to help your business do X, Y, and Z. You wouldn't be talking to me if you already had someone doing this. So what is it you're struggling with? And then asking those good questions. And it takes the pressure off of the interviewee a little bit to be like, I'm just here to learn. I'm here to help. I'm here to provide value. And maybe it's a fit, but maybe it's not. And whereas most people are like, if this isn't a fit, my life is over. Like we catastrophize, we do all these different things. And so um, one of the things that people always talk about is like, I need to go get another certification and then I'll be confident to do the interview. Or I need to go learn this new algorithm, then I'll be confident for the interview. And I'm like, I think we just need to like figure out how to be more relaxed and okay not knowing things because that's when you actually look confident. When you're like, I don't know that, but how are you using it? And how quickly yeah. would you need me to get up to speed and things like that? So how do you sort of talk to people, especially in the tech world, where it's very concrete? We need X years of experience. We need X software. We need things like that. Like the, the funny cliche is the person who's like, um, they said they needed five years of experience with this software. So I could never get that job because I only built it two years ago. Like, like that right. whole joke. Uh, what do you say to tech people who are so concerned about the technologies and the metrics and the number of years and everything like that. There's, there's actually a, a funny Twitter feed uh, or a Twitter thread that you can go find too, where uh, the person that built the tool homebrew for the Mac, uh, and it's this tool that downloads other tools. The person that built that software interviewed at Google and Google shut them down. And so they tweeted out, it's like, yeah, okay, Google, 98% of your staff use my software, but you know, because I can't do a binary search algorithm, I don't get a job there. Um, you know, and so there's, 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 a, you know, some unfortunate humor in that there's mm-hmm. actually four things I, I want to unpack in, in kind of the stuff that you're saying. Um, I think asking that question, like, what else can we discuss? I think that's a question that both sides could ask, like, as a candidate, it's like, Hey, was there anything else that, that I can explain or, or, or talk about? But I think you could do that as a company as well and say like, Hey, we've talked about all kinds of things. Is there anything else that you're curious about that I can answer for you too? I think that that can sometimes draw those questions out of people uh, when they get to the whole, like, do you have any questions for me? Um, when it comes to, um, you know, being helpful and, and kind of that whole mindset of, um, you know, what do I bring to the team? You're right. A lot of companies are, are hiring because they've got too much work and they need to bring somebody on the team in order to, you know, address the, the amount of work that they're doing. And so, there's, um, there's definitely a sense of, are you, you know, if I bring you on the team, are you going to immediately help improve the team or in some way improve the team as an entry level developer or an entry level in any kind of role, there's going to be some aspect of like, you know, I'm here to learn, but I think that that can also be a bit of a negative because now it's like, well, I'm, I want to come to this job and take Versus I want to come to this job and give of my skill and give of my ability and bring my background and bring my experience and, and help in the job. I mean, there's certainly aspects of that, but I think being able to focus more on what you do bring and don't focus as much on your uh, sort of weak areas or, or things where you're not feeling confident. Um, I mean, it, we know if you're an entry level, you know, person in a role or even an intermediate level person in a role that you don't know all the things. There are going to be things that we're going to have to teach you. There are going to be things that you're going to learn on the job. That's part of it. I mean, that's all part of like bringing you on the team and mentoring you and like making sure that you have all the, all the resources and everything that you need to do your job. And so I think the interview can be a lot more of like, this is what I'm bringing, period. Like, you don't have to say like, oh yeah, I'm here to learn and I want to grow. It's like, that's going to 
happen. I mean, that should just naturally happen on the job. And so what you need to convey in that interview is here's how I'm going to make your job easier as a manager. I'm going to be bringing these skills to the team. I'm going to be bringing this kind of background or this kind of knowledge to the team and just conveying how you're going to help in that role um, and not just take. Um, so I usually tell people like, you know, in, in the cover letter and things like that, like don't mention things like, you know, I'm interested in growth and I'm interested in training because now instead of saying, here's what I'm bringing to the company, you need to call me for an interview. You're saying like, you know, I bring these skills, but I also want this from you as a company. And, and as much as possible in that application process, you want to reduce your ask. You want to reduce the things that you're asking them for. And you want to highlight, this is what I'm bringing to you. Um, because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for somebody to come and bring things to them. And so I think being able to highlight that and, and really be able to talk uh, about that as far as the whole, like, must be perfect first, you know, like I have to, I have to learn all the things. If, if you have to wait until you're hundred percent ready, you're never going to be ready. I mean, in the, I mean, we've been chatting now for 50 minutes. There's probably like three new JavaScript frameworks that have been released in that time. And probably yeah. two new programming languages, like just things in the tech industry change so fast. And there's like, you know, some new design pattern that somebody just invented or gave a name to, or like somebody figured out some new cool algorithm that, you know, you haven't learned yet. And like, oh shoot, now I got to go learn that before I can apply for any jobs. Like, no, you don't, you know what you know, you don't know what you don't know. And just to go apply for the job. You don't have to wait to be perfect to go apply for that job. One of the changes that I'm really keen on, on making at stream where I work um, as their director of engineering learning Part of my goal is to interact in that interview process and figure out, okay, well, based on the interview, we want to focus on good people who are good problem solvers, good team members. And if they don't have certain aspects of technical skill, I'm going to help get them trained on those things. I'm going to have curriculum that either I've written or other people have written, and I'm going to sit down and, and make sure that they're going through that training and that they're up to speed on things. Now, during an interview, it doesn't mean our signals are going to be perfect and go, well, you said you didn't know this thing. And so you have to go like get a certification and something to prove that you know that thing. It's not going to be that in depth, but that way we can focus on just the person and less about, you know, did they have the perfect level of skill? I mean, that's still important, you know, and, and somebody with more of that skill is, is going to sort of outperform people that don't have that skill, but that way we can focus more on the person. And so again, like, that's why I'm saying like, as companies, we need to kind of reinvent what our interview process is going to be. Like, how do we focus more on the individual and less on the things that they know? So they don't have to feel like I'm hundred percent prepared or I'm hundred percent qualified for that job because, you know, studies have also shown like men, for example, they'll look through a job post and they'll go, yeah, I meet like 10% of that criteria. I'm going to go ahead and apply where non-males and, and people who have been historically marginalized in the tech industry, they're like, I have to meet 100% of that criteria or I can't even apply. It's like, no, go apply for the job anyway, because you're applying for, you know, against other people who don't have that whole list of skill either. And I think that that's where we got, you know, this, this massive imbalance in tech where it's like a lot of white dudes in tech because we're like, YOLO, just go apply for that job. Um, you know, whether or not we feel we're prepared because it sounds like an interesting job and we're just going to go for it where other people, they, they feel marginalized and they feel like they have to be a hundred percent prepared or they have to have a hundred percent of the qualifications. And you really don't just, it kind of revisiting kind of back to the, the whole, like you do need to be yourself. Yeah. You do need, you know, a level of preparation. You do need to have some amount of technical skill. Like you can't just go get a job with zero skill, but I think that um, that there's, there is a balance in there that can be struck between the candidate and the company where they can say like, okay, well, you don't have all the skill. You don't have five years experience in this thing, or we're looking for somebody with three to five years of experience and you're brand new in the tech industry, but you've got the passion, you've got the drive, you really care about what we do as a business, or you bring some kind of industry knowledge that, you know, we don't have to train you on that thing and teach you why this or that is important. And, and, you know, it's, it's amazing how you can get doors open uh, in that interview process by not having 100% of, of that stuff, but just bringing that passion, bringing that drive and bringing that level of interest um, at the same time, highlighting like, this is what I'm bringing to your company. And, you know, 
you can, you can certainly talk about like, you know, I'm really keen on what I'm going to learn in the role um, without focusing on that as a negative, because as much as possible, you want to take the focus away on, you want to take the focus away from what you don't know and focus on what you do bring to the team. Because again, in that interview, I'm looking for a reason to say, yes, I'm looking for people that are going to make my life easier. And that's the problem is that everything else in the world is designed around telling you where you're lacking. You need to join this boot camp because you don't have these skills. You need to do this. You need coaching because you don't have these skills. You need this because you don't have these skills and because you suck. And like everything in the world is sort of from a marketing perspective designed around pointing out flaws and problems and then creating solutions sure. for them. And so yeah, I, mean, I think we drive, we drive off the psychology of, you know, feeling like you're missing out on something. That's how we drive a lot of things. And it, it's unfortunate. But, and it's people's you know, core motivator a lot of times. Yeah. And I think like, you know, people always come and talk to me about anxiety and about imposter syndrome and about all these different things. And um, they're like, how do I get rid of it? And I go, you probably won't because that's the only thing that motivates you right now. Cause you haven't found other sources of motivation. And I'm, I'm in that camp too. Like anxiety is one of my key motivators. I wouldn't be as successful as I am without it. It's kind of funny to look at the world sometimes and realize that a lot of what we view as success is actually coping mechanisms for like trauma and for a lot of issues that people have. I was listening to a really funny Bill Burr podcast the other day. And he's like, I thought I was ambitious my whole life, but really I was just trying to stay five steps away from this horrible uh, history of, of emotion that I've been ignoring for years. <laughs> He's like, I'm just yeah. like outrunning it by a few steps. Cause I don't want to be in a room by myself with my thoughts. So I'm always doing something. Yeah. And, that and that's I think fair. Is, I mean, I've, yeah. I've been in the, yeah. I've been in the tech industry for 25 years professionally, and I still get imposter syndrome. I still feel anxious about a lot of things. I still feel anxious about my job. Like, am I doing enough? Am I doing well enough? Like I still feel that all the time. And I've got tons of experience. I bring a lot of things to teams but I still internalize a lot of that stuff too. So I think, I think to some degree that never goes away, you know, yeah. it's just, how do you, how do you cope with it? And, and I think that, you know, kind of using that coping mechanism phrases is, is kind of good. It's like, how do you tell somebody to calm down? Well, some of that is just understanding, like, this is just me. This is who I am. This is part of who I am. Doesn't mean you have to let it out during the interview, but yeah. like you, you do need to be aware of it and you do need to be aware of, how can you make that work for you? And, and how do you focus on the things that are positives and things that are going to help the company? Because that's really what they're, what they're trying to get at in the interview. Right. Like finding out I had an anxiety disorder completely changed things. It went from, I'm some failure who can't get these things done to, oh, I have terrible coping mechanisms. Let's find better ones. And it became much more right. of a salute, like problem solving process than a like self-worth process. And I think one of the things you pointed out here is like companies want people that solve problems, but the pushback there is if you say I'm a problem solver, you're not saying anything. And so like yeah. a big piece of um, the issue for people is a avoidance of specifics because you don't want to say something so specific that's wrong. And then you get turned down for the job. And so I've been right. in that situation where they're like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, here's exactly what I do. And they go, well, that's not what this job is. Bye. And I'm like, damn it. I should have faked it. Right. Um, but there is this sort of like, like the definition of a job is solving a problem. I have a problem. You solve it. I pay you. Like that's literally the definition of a job. So to say you're a problem solver is to say nothing. Right. And so like, I think there's a lot of stuff that is taught in the interview prep process that is actually training people to not say anything, to like, just be vague, to just be, um, and maybe it's not the interviewing process, but it's just like, we, unless you've, and, and you said this earlier, it's like, you really need to get to know yourself and you really need to understand what you're interested in, why you're interested in it, how you're able to help, even in the smallest possible way, so that when you get there, it is genuine, right? Because we don't want to fake it. We don't want to pretend that we want this job. Although we may have so many interviews that we don't care about each one to it, like the hundred percent, right? So that's why I try to encourage people to get interested in industries and fields rather than companies, right. because then mm -hmm. you can be enthusiastic about a lot of different companies and a lot of different things. Um, yep. When it comes to getting specific, I, I sort of want to wrap up on this piece because um, probably the biggest issue is our avoidance of getting specific because of that fear. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the interview, 
how important are specifics? What are the different ways that you should share those, whether it's stories or whatnot? And like, what would you say to someone who is just like really struggling to narrow in and like get to like, you know, what's the ROI of my role? What is the value of what I do? Like, how would you help them get more specific? What would you say to them? A good question. I think getting into specifics is important and and you do need to be careful that you're not misrepresenting yourself. Like, um, you know, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a problem solver. I can solve all the problems. But if you say like, I'm actually really good at solving this kind of problem, um, then it, it kind of gives us a better idea of where we could fit you in on the team. Where if it's like, well, I'm good at solving this kind of problem, but having an awareness and say, you know, I've, I've struggled solving this kind of problem. It's like, oh, okay, well maybe, you know, we need to put you on this team instead. Some companies are are willing to kind of pivot, you know, mid flight or I've, I've been at companies where they're like, we're just looking for good people. And once we hire you, we'll figure out what team to put you on. Other companies are like, we have a specific role on a specific team. And if we don't find the perfect person for that team, you don't get the job. And so there can be a bit of a, a difference there. And, and a lot of it comes down to the growth size of the company and, and do they have multiple roles open or are they hiring one role and one role only? And you have to like fit that cookie cutter kind of, uh, kind of space. Um, so when it comes to specifics, I think it's good to be, uh, to have some amount of specificity about what you can bring to the team. I think it's also good to point out your own self-awareness on what aspects of that job you're not going to do. But again, you don't want to highlight too much about your, your weaknesses or, or areas where you, you can't help. But I think it is important that that is part of the conversation. Like when I was interviewing for my current role at, at Stream, it was literally conversation. I sat down with the CEO because I'd worked there in the past and he's like, this is what we want to do. And I said, okay, well, I can, I can help out with this. I'm not going to be as good helping in this kind of area, but these are the, like the parts that I can do. These are what I do really well. And he's like, cool, let's make it happen. So he had an understanding when, when we were going through that conversation, he's writing out the offer and things like that of what I was going to be capable of doing, what I didn't know so well. And, and then we can kind of plan from there. Like, do I need to grow in those areas or do I even not need to worry about those things? But if all I did was I came in and said, yeah, I can write curriculum and I can do video tutorials and, you know, and just leave it at that. If, if those other kind of nebulous, vague things never got addressed, there's opportunity for the CEO then to, to have had an expectation of like, oh, well, I kind of figured Ian would have had that skill or, or not, you know, maybe. Um, you know, and, and now there's, there's that imbalance of, well, I, I expected you to do that as part of your role. It's like, well, we didn't really talk about it either way. And so, you know, now, now I'm in the job and, you know, there's this, this, uh, mismatch of, of, uh, expectation. And so I think that it can be part of the interview. And again, if it's, if it's that conversation where you've built up enough of that trust and rapport between the interviewee and the interviewer where you can say, you know, I've got awareness on what I do well. I'm not as good in particular areas, but then immediately like pivot back to like, these are the strengths that I'm bringing. And this is how I'm specifically going to work through, you know, these kinds of problems. And, and um, I'm trying to think of like a good uh, sort of example to bring, like if, uh, if you're working on like a web-based project and you say, you know, I know about test-driven development and I know about building forms, I've actually never really worked with file uploads like you've described, you know, where somebody has to upload a, a profile picture. So that would be a thing that I need to learn. But when it gets through like processing those things and how to handle, you know, the form information and get it into a database securely, like I've got this or that experience. And so again, you're kind of quickly pivoting back to what you do know, but still showing them that you've got awareness on some of the things that you don't know that they want. Um, so that you you are setting that appropriate expectation. Because again, my job as the interviewer is to figure out what you know, what you don't know, and does that fit for what we need on the team? And if I have to go back to my team and go, they checked all the boxes, but they don't know file uploads. And they're like, oh, file uploads, that's like the number one thing we're hoping to find on this team. It's like, okay, well then maybe that person's not the right fit for the role where someone else will come in and be like, oh yeah, I've done file uploads all the time, but I have no idea what software testing is. It's like, okay, well, now I need to bring that to the team and figure mm -hmm. out like, is that the important thing? What if they don't know testing? And then as a 
as a team, as a group, then we need to make a decision on, you know, someone had this level of skill, someone had that level of skill, who do we think is going to fit in better? Let's make them the offer. And so I think it's, it's good to be specific on what you know, but you can bring up some of the things that you don't know, but you don't want to highlight that. You don't want to hyper-focus on it. And, and again, you need to kind of quickly pivot back to what you do bring, because I, th- I think it shows that self-awareness of, of kind of your, your competencies so that you're not mis- misrepresenting yourself like, oh yeah, I can do all the things. No problem. Just give me the job. I'll do all the things. And then you get the job and you're like, oh shoot, I actually don't know <laughs> these things or, you know, but, but I also know people that are like, oh yeah, I just lie through my teeth during an interview. It's like, well, sometimes interviewers can kind of pick up on that. Um, but also as a company, I've, I've worked at companies where we hire people and we fire them in less than a week. It's like, no, yeah. you're grossly incompetent. You don't know what you said you knew. Um, but, you know, now we've gone through that expense and now we got to open that job all over again and like start calling people all over again. And it's, it's a huge waste of time and money. And so again, that interview process needs to be more real world. Like this is what we actually do on the job as opposed to just this interrogative you know, Q and A, like, I'm going to ask you a question. You give me an answer. I ask you a question. You give me an answer. And yeah, okay. Your answers sound okay. I, you know, and, and that's part of, part of the weird thing about the tech industry is that we, we're one of the few industries where we ask you to prove that you can do the job so that we give you the job. Mm. Like you would never find a brain surgeon, you know, go apply for a job at a hospital and have that hospital say like, we'll go operate on that person. And if they live through the procedure, then we'll give you a job over here. Yeah. Be crazy. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't happen, you know? Um, but in the tech industry, it's like, well, go code this thing. And if it codes well and it works, okay, then you can have the job because there's so much distrust on what you claim to know and what you can actually do. Um, and, but I think if the interview process was a little more real world, like, Hey, let's sit down and actually show me that you know how to do that file upload or show me that you know how to write a test or, or whatever. Now you can go back and say, they clearly demonstrated that they can do the following things or they can't do the following things. And now we've got way better signals. I love it. And so um, as we wrap up here, I just want to kind of hit on a couple of the beats. Like the, the, the interview really doesn't begin with the question and, and, and like Googling lists of interview questions. It begins with, what skills do you have and what value or help can you provide with those skills today? Knowing that there's other things. And and one of the ways that I contextualize that for people is to say like, given Google and enough time, could you do this in the job? And they're like, well, of course. And I'm like, then you're good enough. Like start there. And like, so we really need to move away from focusing on what we're lacking move towards focusing on what we can do with time and Google in this role and then connecting with that person and their needs and almost shifting that, that perspective from a spotlight on you to more of like a spotlight on them. It's about Mm -hmm. them and how you can help them. It's less about you at the end of the day. And if you have less ego in that or less fear of insecurity in there, then you can actually start to see beyond, you know, the, the forest from the trees, so to speak, like you can actually yeah. see what you're trying to help. And, and that helps like look at the context of what is the business trying to accomplish? Why does this role even get hired in a company? Like what are the ROIs? What is the business case and all that kind of stuff? So I love right. that we've, there's obviously a million more things we could go into, but um, let's just say, you know, someone reached out to you today and they wanted one practical piece of advice of what they can do to prepare for their interview. That's next week. What would you say to them? Um, I would say reach out to the company and and see if the company will tell you what their interview practice is going to be and and what kinds of topics you should spend the most time studying. I think some some of the top tech companies like the Fang companies, they actually do that. When you apply for a job, they say, hey, go study the following things. Some companies don't do that. Just like, yep, come in for a tech interview. And it's this gamble of like what questions we're going to ask. And so you feel like you have to study all the things. And so number one, I would say, reach out to the company and see if you can find out from them what you should be studying, what you should be preparing ahead of time for the interview. See if you can find out who's going to be interviewing you and do some research on those individuals as well so that you've got good personal questions that you can ask during that interview. And then uh, the number one thing that I recommend the night before the interview, don't do any studying. Because by that point, you know what you know, you don't know what you don't know, just rest your brain 
Otherwise, you know, your dopamine levels are going to play tricks with uh, memory recall. And when you go to that interview, you're going to blank on things. So get a good night's sleep, drink lots of water, have a healthy, you know, meal in the morning kind of thing. And then like, go do your interview. Um, so yeah, those would be my top three. And as always, use the restroom before the interview, because yes, you don't want that to come up midway. Ian, thank you so much for joining us today. This was an absolutely wonderful conversation. So practical, I think, for, for folks who are in the middle of the interview process uh, right now. So appreciate your time and look forward to potentially chatting again in the future, man. Sounds good. Appreciate your time too, Martin. See you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. I really appreciate your support of what we're building here at Career Therapy as we continue to try and explore the hidden side of modern work and tell some of the stories that maybe don't get enough light shed on them. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, I hope you will leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Subscribe to this wherever you're listening or watching on YouTube, Spotify, etc., And uh, share this with some friends who you know are going through similar experiences and looking to build their career and, and gain some insights along the way. Again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I wish you the best. I'll see you on the next episode.